Hi, you're listening to the DMBA podcast where we share business confidence for designers. My name is Alan. I'm a business designer and founder of the DMBA. Welcome to another business design jam where we take current business news, interesting business examples, and talk about their relevancy for the work of designers and business designers. Today, I'm joined by Franz, program director at the DMBA, and today we will have a crypto chat. We'll talk about recent news where Tesla announced that they will now also let their customers buy Teslas, so their cars, with Bitcoin. And we will also talk about the fact that Tesla had decided to turn certain part of their cash into Bitcoin. So we'll talk about the relevancy of that and why Tesla made this decision. But if you'd like to learn more about business as a designer, I'd like to invite you to join our 7-day mini MBA. It's basically a free email course. So over the course of seven days, you receive seven emails and learn basically um, some of the most fundamental business concepts relevant for designers. So to subscribe to our mini MBA, head over to d.mba slash mini. So that's d.mba slash mini. Okay, so let's get straight in, Franz. Um, So two days ago on Tuesday... So for those listening, this was March 23rd uh, this year, so 2021. Tesla announced that people can buy uh, cars, so Tesla products with Bitcoin. Did you see that? I saw it, right? I think it's huge news for the cryptocurrency, uh, so Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, because it kind of shows the signs of maturing and how it may be used in the future. I remember when... A few years back, we had these discussions about cryptocurrencies and uh, we all said that one of the big pivot points is going to be when one of the big companies, like I think everybody was talking about Amazon, like what if Amazon one day would offer uh, yeah. payment payments with Bitcoin? And um, I honestly thought maybe we will never see this because of the old high transaction fees with Bitcoin, but here we are. <laughs> but only for the US, right? That's the first step. Exactly. So. But I think they will. Uh, they also said that they will do it soon also for other countries. Yeah. So actually, just a few weeks back, Tesla also announced that it bought $1.5 billion uh, worth of Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, so that moment, the company had $19 billion in cash reserves, and they decided to invest uh, $1.5 billion in Bitcoin. Which, which is very interesting. And uh, that's what we want to talk about today. But actually, I want to use this as an excuse to talk about a few topics, or we want to use this to talk about a few topics that are relevant or, you know, kind of to explain why Tesla is doing it, why Tesla did this. But maybe to explain this, we first have to dive into the beautiful world of uh, <laughs> financial documents. Yeah. Great one. Balance sheets, um, profit and loss statement, statement, cash flow statement. Great yeah, one. Exactly. Everyone loves it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you go to a business school, these are the three documents that you kind of are being nailed into your head all the time. Kind of you have to understand all these three different documents in detail. And um, Basically, today we will talk about most of the, mostly about balance sheet because what happened is Tesla put Bitcoin on their balance sheet. But maybe before we do that, let's first explain what these three 
financial documents are and what their um, basically purpose is. Because yeah. after all, we are educational podcasts. We want to teach you something about these <laughs> things. So first of all, there is a document called Profit and Loss Statement. You may have heard of it as a um, P&L statement. So basically, that's a document which summarizes all revenue on one side and then all costs on the other side for the company. So in plain terms, it kind of tells us how profitable a company is. Then we have a cash flow statement, um, which basically tells us how much money actually is coming into the company and how much cash or money is flowing out. Mm. And what's the difference between profit and loss and cash flow? Asking <laughs> for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, I think, one, one problem that a lot of first-time entrepreneurs have and also like design agency owners is that you think they're the same, right? The revenue is exactly as cash flow coming in. The big, the big difference is that revenue is recognized when I invoice somebody and cash flow is recognized when I actually get money. Exactly. For example, if I am running an agency and I have a client and we agreed on 60-day terms, meaning they have 60 days to pay me, on the day when I send out an invoice, uh, I recognize revenue. So on paper, I made some either revenue and maybe even profit. And this goes into the profit and loss statement. Exactly. And when does it go into the cash flow? When they pay. Exactly. So that's the difference. <laughs> and and I mean, the reason this is so important, so the difference between cash flow and profit and loss statement is you can be on paper very profitable yep. but not have enough money to pay your suppliers. Exactly. For example, also your employees, right? You have salaries to pay every month and you have also sent out invoices to your customers but they're not paying you which means that on paper you're great profit wise but you may still not have the cash to actually pay uh, your bills exactly so now we covered profit and loss statement again PL and cash flow statement um, now let's have a look at the third one the third document called balance sheet so a balance sheet is a document where companies report about their assets versus liabilities and equity. So basically, imagine it as a piece of paper where on the left-hand side, you list all your, all your assets. And on the right-hand side, you list all of your liabilities and equity. And Can you give some examples moment, here? For sure, yeah. The last thing I just want to say is in each moment, these two sides need to be in balance, right? Um, but yeah, an example. Do you have one or should I? Sure. So, for example, my assets, if I have a company producing something, would be machines. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, my liabilities, for example, would be um, money I owe. For example, if I took out money in order to buy these machines... They would the machines would be on the asset side, but my debt for buying these machines would be on the liability side. And this creates this balance of these two. So here we see that we need this balance in order for the balance sheet to be true. 
Exactly. Another example, let's say that you are running a uh, startup and you just get like 1 million in investments. First of all, congratulations. Second of all, what happens in the balance sheet is on the left-hand side in the assets, you now have 1 million in cash. And on the right-hand side in the liabilities, now you have 1 million in equity, right? So you probably had to share, let's say you sold 10% of your company to this investor, right? So it means that now not necessarily you have a liability towards that uh, owner, but your equity has changed because before that you were 100% owner of the company and now you're 90% owner of the company. So the right-hand side is basically liabilities plus equity because you can also sell part of the company and through that increase your um, assets. Um, and what balance sheet does in plain terms is kind of explains how much a company is worth. Uh, but in, in practice, that's many cases not true because the way we value companies is also by looking at their profitability combined with balance sheet. I mean, obviously if a company owns, like, let's say they own a building, this increases the value of a company, but you also kind of factor in all the revenue that you will be making over the next few years. Uh, but that's basically what balance sheet does. It kind of explains, um, the, explains financial position of the company. And the big thing here is it helps investors evaluate your company to, uh, to know if they want to invest in it or not. So it's really important for, for public companies and also for smaller companies looking for investors. Okay. So now let's go back to the Tesla news, right? We have. <laughs> This big detour explaining the three financial documents. So just to repeat, profit and loss statement, cash flow, and balance sheet. So now let's talk about what happened when actually Tesla bought um, 1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin. So I mentioned earlier that basically they had 19 billion in cash reserves. And maybe just another tangent. Do you know how, how much money Apple has in cash reserves? I don't know. Yeah, I think they're a company with most cash reserves and it's roughly $200 billion. Oh, man. Yeah, so they have $200 billion lying on their bank account. <laughs> Which Microsoft is on, has in on the balance assets. sheet. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have a pop quiz <laughs> in school. Um, Microsoft has $140 billion. Google has more than $100 million. Facebook and Amazon have roughly $50 billion. So it's Huge, huge numbers. And for a very long time, companies just did that, you know, because inflation would eat up a few percentage points um, every year. But, you know, it kind of gave you the balance as a company. You had certain cash. If your business took the wrong turn, you know, there was something that went badly for you, you still had enough money to pay your suppliers like employees, as you said before, and other suppliers, etc. So you mm. could keep um, pushing on for for longer. So it's but a safety cushion because it's liquid. You can always take it. Exactly, liquidity is a big part of it. So why did best, uh, Tesla decide to you know invest one point five billion? Um, so first of all, what the, what they have done on the balance sheet in terms of the assets is they turned. Uh, they're 19 billion in cash reserves. They took 1.5 of cash and invested it into Bitcoin. 
So it's still something that sits on the asset side of our balance sheet, right? And actually when they did it, when Tesla did this, they shared the reason and what they wrote, and I'm quoting is, we want to give more flexibility to further diversify and maximize returns on our cash. And I think these are the two keywords, diversify and maximize, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe first we can talk about which one should we tackle first, diversifying or maximizing? I'd say maximizing first. So maximizing, maximizing return on the cash. Okay, but I think to do that, we have to talk about inflation first. Yeah, but this rather goes into um, also diversifying, right? Yeah, both, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, first inflation or first talking about maximizing and, um, and um, diversifying, what's better? As it works get- better for you. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about inflation because this is one reason why you would want to decide that you don't want to hold that much cash. So inflation, and we just need to look up at Investopedia, it, it says it's a decline of purchasing power of a currency. In other words, that means that products and services get more expensive over time meaning that the value of a currency is falling. So to measure this, um, it's actually a very easy process because it takes a standardized basket of um, selected goods. For example, it contains rent, food, energy, common services, like a representation of a country's consumer spending. And you would take the same basket and buy the products in this basket every year. So every year you would have a look at how much of your local currency you would have to spend on this standardized uh, standardized basket. So an inflation of 5% means that for the same products, you need to uh, invest, for example, 105 euros this year instead of 100 euros last year. So the result is, if you own cash, its worth will decline every year by the rate of the inflation. And with an inflation of, for example, 5%, my 10,000 euros this year will be worth 9,500 euros next year, even if I still have 10,000 euros on my bank account. Mm -hmm. I think maybe at this point, we can also talk about what is a normal inflation rate. Yep. Right. I think 5% is already pretty high. So just for, 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 to, to clarify, right. So what usually company not companies countries <laughs> are aiming for is an inflation of maximum two percent yep right you want to give the stability to your currency exactly and this is a great segue because i think we also need to talk about why inflation actually happens so why why are we now talking about mm-hmm. this so the value of and this is basically the value of money right how much is the money the one dollar the one euro actually worth and the value of money is not stable but it it is as most things are it is dependent on the supply and demand so if there is less money out there flowing it is worth more and if there is more money out there flowing it is worth less and yes actually the amount of money in circulation is changing so um Let's see how it can change. On the one hand, 
it, depend, it depends on the economical situation of a country. So how much are companies and individuals and also the government spending or saving? This depends how much money is actually there in a market. So, so if a lot of people are saving money, does that... That means that there is not as much money being spent. So right. the, um, the amount of money in circulation goes back. Mm -hmm. But the even bigger lever here is that it depends on how much money banks put on the market. And this is basically dependent on how much loans they issue. So at the moment in this pandemic, we are in a very defensive sentiment when it comes to our society or economy. So people and companies tend to spend less and save more. This means that it drives down our current inflation. So you said average is like, or aiming is like two to 3%, but current inflation rate is like one point something or even below because mm -hmm. there is not as much money in circulation, which drives down the inflation. But at the same time, and also happening just right now, mm -hmm. um, companies and especially government takes out massive loans to support the economy and eventually boost spending. This means that by taking out these, lo these loans, the supply of money will eventually ri um, rise and eventually cause inflation again. So what we can see now with all the governments, um, like you don't, you don't have to take in a single government, right? We see EU countries taking out huge loans. We see the US taking out huge loans all around the world. Um, companies, um, governments taking out huge loans to back up the economy, economy, this will eventually flow into the market and basically uh, drive inflation up again. And now we're back, right? So companies managing their cash balances um, is in foresight of an increased inflation. So mm -hmm. they believe that inflation will increase which means that they somehow need to balance or manage their cash balance, right? And now we're back at the example of why would you now decrease your huge cash balance because you think it's going to be less worth in future. Yeah, yeah. I think what's interesting there is when you say government taking um, bank loans, it's a lot of people hear this phrase of governments and printing money, right? Mm -hmm. So that's basically government taking from from a central bank loaning from a central bank and in a lot of people just say you know you are printing money even though these days it's not printing money it's more like just putting yeah. numbers in the computer but when you get your stimulus package like uh what they had currently in the u.s that's basically exactly this the government took a bank loan <laughs> from <laughs> yeah. the central bank and just yeah. um basically gave everybody some free cash and this is a sign which usually means that we are nearing a, a cycle of maybe higher inflation. Second thing that you mentioned there that's very interesting is how we measure inflation, right? So usually, and typically the way it's measured, it's a very standardized, standardized process of taking a selected, um, selected goods or things like rent, and you just measure that. But what companies invest in is not, they're not buying eggs and flour and, you know, they don't yeah. care about these things. They measure inflation a bit differently. 
And if you look at real estate and how much this is going up, or maybe salaries, if salaries are going up by more than 2% per year, then this means their inflation is effectively not 2%, but maybe 5%, 10% for a specific uh, segment of their employees. So what I'm trying to just say is that this the way you measure inflation can be very flexible depending on who you are. If you're a company, yeah. if you are more or less wealthy individual, it changes. And it feels like wealthy companies feel like inflation is already more than 2% because otherwise I don't understand these moves of um, buying something that looks very risky uh, from the outside, such as Bitcoin. Um, or let's, not, let's not say risky, but at least much more volatile than yes. cash. Yeah, definitely. Right. And I mean, that's, that's so perfectly kind of right. So that, why you would want to... Sorry, I was just about sorry, to say that this is exactly right, that um, the, the term inflation and what we usually see is inflation comes from a consumer basket. But obviously, uh, there are other products which are not in a consumer basket, but drive inflation for like different um, target groups. For as a company, I would look at a different basket as I would look at if I'm a... Um, household right but in the end inflation is the same thing for them also things getting more expensive or in other words their money um, being less powerful anymore because prices go up so i think this kind of explains the defensive move or defensive side of this move so you are taking part of your cash reserve and putting into bitcoin because you are expecting it to grow um, more you know more than the inflation yeah. So if it's growing, let's say the inflation is to go back to your example of 5%. If Bitcoin is growing more than 5% per year, you are beating the inflation. So your cash is staying at the same level, right? Yeah. Um, I think bottom line, you can say that if I believe that my cash will be less worth because inflation goes up, I need to find other places or assets I can put in my money. And now we have a list, right? You can buy... Um, property, you can buy land, you can buy stocks of other companies. Um, and eventually now it's also Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies that seem to have reached an, a level where big corporations trust them in a way that they say, okay, this is an asset that I can invest in. So in the end, it's a it's the diversify part that you're mentioning, right? So they diversified their uh, their asset holdings and they added um, Bitcoin to their portfolio. Exactly. Um, and then on the offensive side, which is the maximizing return on our cash, um, you could say that Bitcoin, and I'm just saying what probably they were thinking is by buying Bitcoin, we're not just defending it against inflation, but we are exposing our assets to a commodity that's growing really fast currently and we believe it's gonna keep growing and this will generate above average returns for our investors and because tesla is a public company what they probably wanted to do is give investors a chance to get exposed to the growth of bitcoin because a lot of institutional investors still cannot invest in bitcoin directly mm. a lot of institutional investors have certain clauses in in their um, documents that prevent them from investing in super risky things such as Bitcoin. and But they can invest in a company like Tesla, right? Yeah. So if Tesla has it on its 
uh, balance sheet, so in, under its assets, you could basically expose yourself to the growth of Bitcoin by buying Tesla, yeah. which is really interesting uh, That's true. idea. Yeah, like indirect investment. So basically, you are trying to increase your stock price, yeah, and also assets at the same time, yeah. And because they're as first, long as long so, as it's yeah, as long <laughs> as it's true, right? <laughs> exactly. As long given as that true. this continues, and with this, I mean um, prices of cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. So let's have a look. So one point five billion divided with nineteen. This is actually seven or roughly 8% of their cash reserves, right? Mm. So it's not nothing, but it's also... Not it's everything. an okay portfolio, like 10% yeah, yeah, yeah. super volatile. Exactly. You can go with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they didn't go all in, which is also yeah. a smart thing to do because there are other companies who did go all in, like MicroStrategy announced in... Uh, I believe August, they're like putting all of their cash reserves, which was $500 million into Bitcoin. And they got very lucky with the timing. So it, it, it blew up for them. Their balance sheet blew up. And, um, yeah, they went all in with 100%. So they obviously believe in it, um, in a big, big manner. But I think this, this kind of explains both sides, right? Unless I forgot something. So no, that's great. But now um, let's talk about, this is one thing, right? Restructuring your assets, investing in Bitcoin. The other thing was you can buy now a Tesla using Bitcoin. So how come? <laughs> the way I see it is, and, and, and when they announced, so when the company announced this news, they said that if you buy a car with, Cryptocurrency, they will not turn it back into fiat. So okay. for the listeners fiat, who maybe yeah. um, haven't heard of this before, fiat basically means cash, like um, US dollars, euros. Hard currency. Um, exactly, yeah. The What we perceive currently as normal currencies. <laughs> yeah. Um, backed by gold. So uh, what was I saying? Okay, they yeah. will not so, turn it back. Exactly, yeah. So probably in my mind, what they're trying to do is the same thing. They know that no more than 10% of customers will choose this option. So they are just continuing their bet of having 10% of their, their balance sheet in Bitcoin. So those 10% of customers who will buy in Bitcoin, they will keep that in Bitcoin. They will not try to sell it in the USD. Uh, so they in the US dollars and that they did announce that that if you buy it in Bitcoin they will not turn it back but they may return your money if you cancel they may return your money in uh, the fiat right yeah so that's an interesting yeah, uh, that's an interesting thing because this is like portfolio management right so when you you take a decision for your initial investment and you say you want to have eight percent of your assets in this um, let's say crypto and let's assume that the value stays the same. But if you only earn um, dollars, your balance sheet will not stay the same, which means that if you get 10% of the people to buy things in crypto, it maintains your initial investment decision. So it's basically leveraging your, um, your portfolio by doing anything, uh, not doing anything, but let people pay you with using cryptocurrency. 
Exactly. And uh, when they did the first move, which was buy 1.5 billion in Bitcoin, I think that was, I think at that moment they even announced that soon they will start accepting it as a payment method. Mm. And yeah, as you said yourself, this is a, an extension of that same move, uh, which helps you keep your portfolio. Because one of the things that's very important in investing is just balancing your portfolio all the time. So in this way, balance is a tricky word. So maybe... <laughs> but let's say at least they're trying to keep the same amount of uh, in terms of the percentages within yeah. one asset which in this case would be a bitcoin yeah true and of course i mean the, when we talk about such things there's always pr and marketing involved right so yeah. whenever you announce something like that of course you also do it for the positive spin it gets on your brand this is an interesting thing that you're bringing up because for Tesla, I mean, at the same time, it's very positive for a certain type of investors, but also it could be very negative for another type of investor, right? So like for yeah. those who believe in Bitcoin, it can be like a huge plus to keep investing in Tesla's stocks, etc. But at the same time, it can be a huge turnoff for maybe certain institutional investors who do not believe in this asset. Yeah. Um, but Regardless, yeah, I, I agree with you. It brings you a lot of PR and did did bring a lot of PR to Tesla. Not that they need it, but um, it's definitely part of the marketing scheme, I think. Yeah. Um, cool. Do you think that's it for um, why Tesla did it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the, the one ahead. thing that I would like to bring up is why would I do it? If I buy a Tesla, why would I use Bitcoin for that? Mm -hmm. And essentially what it comes down to is Bitcoin somehow established itself as being an asset, but has it really established itself as being a currency? Mm -hmm. So gold is also a good asset, right? But I can't go somewhere and pay with a gold coin because it's not really currency. Mm -hmm. So now the question is, where is Bitcoin at the moment? And I just want to talk about three different things here that came to my attention that is actually making it really hard for me to see Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency as, uh, as a currency actually in real life. So I think the first one, and you can definitely help me with that is the friction when you use crypto wallets mm -hmm. like i think buying and selling cryptocurrencies has become really easy as easy as the comparison let's say buying or selling stocks mm -hmm. there is no difference but when i compare using my credit card with using a crypto wallet i think there is there is definitely a discrepancy with complexity and also i can't just like i cannot type in my account number into Amazon's checkout page, this is much more complex. So this friction when actually paying for it, I think this would be a starting point for me to, to go into this topic. That's true. I just wonder how much easier and better this will get. Yeah. I, I would assume a lot of companies are working on, you know, eliminating that friction. Yeah. Um, but currently it's definitely there, right? So. I agree. I agree that it's one of 
are one of the things that are, that is there, but maybe also one of the things that it's that is easiest to smooth out. The next thing is not that smooth, right? Because um, taxation. So have you ever um, read into how it would be taxed if you pay something using Bitcoin? So the one thing is, if you exchange Bitcoin for a product or service, it is treated like if I pay with euros, which means that I need to pay sales tax or VAT. Mm -hmm. So how it works is I pay for my Tesla, then uh, it gets converted into dollars, and then I need to pay the sales tax on top of that. So this is treated exactly like if I would pay with euros or dollars or any other currency. Right, but let's say, can, can this already be part? Can the price that I see already have a VAT or a sales tax in it? So I pay basically also VAT in Bitcoin? Yeah, I think this is the company's liability to do right. this, right? If they yeah. charge you something, they need to charge you the true price, which is the net price plus the applicable VAT. So you just pay the full price. They need to transfer the VAT or the sales tax into dollars, and then they need to pay it to the authorities. Mm -hmm. Good. So that's just as everything else, like or let's say just as dollars or euros. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, Bitcoin is not only seen as a currency in this sense, but also as an asset, which means that now, generally speaking, if you sell Bitcoin, you need to pay taxes on the value gains. Mm -hmm. So just like any other assets, if you bought the house and you sell it again, you need to pay taxes on your value gain. So um, the rate may differ by country and most countries also have a time scope, like there's different taxes if you keep it less than one year and other rates if you keep it more than one year. But in general, if you sell Bitcoin, the value gain is taxed as it, if it is an asset. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing is that the exchange of um, Bitcoin for service or product is treated the same way as the exchange of Bitcoin um, for actual cash. This means that if I buy a Tesla, mm -hmm. this means that in theory, it is a conversion into the dollar amount of what the Tesla is worth. And this means I need to tax this value gain. Right. So let's say that I have bought a Bitcoin for 10K. Yep. Yeah. And now it's, um, now it's 50. Yep. Yeah, and I'm buying a Tesla for fifty, which is fifty k. Let's make it easy. Let's make it easy. Exactly. <laughs> so I buy a Tesla, and in the moment when I buy it, let's yeah. say that I live in a country where, um, if you, regardless of when you bought it and when you sell it, you have to pay ten percent tax. So in the moment when I buy Tesla, now. I also have to pay 5k of taxes to the government. No, it's a difference between 10k and 50k, yeah. so it's basically so for 4K. the 40, yeah, exactly. For the 40% yeah. value gain, you need to pay your um, value gain taxes. But at right. the same time, you also need to pay the VAT. Which is not unusual for for assets, right? Like if I would have a house which I bought for 10k and sold it for 50 and now I'd have to sell, now I would have to, you know, 
in most cases, pay certain tax. That's true. But here it feels different because it's uh, instantaneous, right? You go and you just transfer a house to somebody, but it feels weird and now you also have to pay tax. Yeah. So that's the interesting part, right? Because like Bitcoin is still somewhere in between, like some countries or most countries see it as an asset. Yeah. Uh, maybe some see it as a currency. I didn't go that deep. Mm. And that creates this confusion, like in the minds of consumers, it may be, and especially now the way Tesla talks about it, it looks like a currency, yeah. but still, it's still, it's still an asset, right? Exactly. And the thing that you just brought up brings me to the third, um, what I still see as a problem, but obviously it's also a gain. So volatility, oscillation of value. If it's an asset, then I'm somehow okay, but, or I even expected to go up in value but if it's a currency then it's really hard to have this volatility or oscillation or even the value gain if i was 100 sure that it was a value gain it would even be harder for it to be a currency because think of this mental barrier let's say um, to make it easy i know that i could buy a tesla for let's say a model three for one Bitcoin now, but I assume that I could buy the same Tesla for one, uh, for a 0 0.8 in five months. So why would I do this? Why would I not spend my dollars on it? Yeah. So this volatility or this oscillation of value makes it just really hard to see Bitcoin as, as a currency because as a, and now just, just use the, uh, the positive effect I always think, should I really exchange it now? Should I really like use it to buy something or rather hold it? And in the end, if I sell it, I also need to pay um, my taxes on it, double taxes, mm -hmm. right? Um, so this volatility has this mental barrier, but there is also a really interesting practical problem with it because Transactions with Bitcoins are usually virtually converted into dollars or euros by the company at the time of purchase. So let me, uh, let me um, try to say it differently. So say you would um, buy something today mm -hmm. and then you return it two weeks later. Mm -hmm. This would mean that you would not get the same Bitcoin amount back, but this would mean that you would get the converted amount back. So let's say Bitcoin went up. It means that you get less Bitcoin back because what yeah. they do is converting it. So like going back to the example we had before, if let's say at the time when I bought my Tesla, it was in dollars 50K. Yeah. And in two weeks time, I want to return it. I don't know, whatever. Uh, but it's now it's 60K. <laughs> um, exactly. So, but I still get my 50K back, right? You get your 50k back, but this means that the Bitcoin is not the currency that we're talking about here. The Bitcoin is just a representation of the actual currency, which is dollars. So again, why would you? Why wouldn't you just buy it using dollars? Why would you even use the Bitcoin for it? So that's just the the whole thing about it. And now we come to the for me the core of it. Like I have not found honestly, I have not found a reason why I would buy something with Bitcoin that I could also just buy with a credit card because of all these reasons. 
So now let's, I, I would, but still I do it, right? I, I did it already. <laughs> there is one case, like if you think it's going to go down. Yeah, that's true. Right? Then then you would maybe try to do it like, okay, I I maxed my, I, I always said I'm going to sell it when it's 50K. Yeah. And then you buy it because that's your exit strategy and that's it. So but that's then the you can reason, also right? just, just sell it and convert it into yours. Yeah, <laughs> or dollar, yeah dollar. I agree. Yeah. But there is this marketing aspect front, which we said before, you can tell it to your friends that you bought it with, <laughs> exactly. with Bitcoin. <laughs> and now we're back at another theory. Hey, we're back at our educational podcast again, because how can you explain that this is still a thing? Why do still people do this? And um, I think you can explain this by using the adoption curve of innovation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the adoption curve, this normally distributed curve that explains the adoption of innovative products. So in the beginning, let's imagine a, a new product. It usually, the value of this new product is usually not apparent to the masses, but only to a small fraction of the, of the population. And also new products usually have some flaws. So early buyers, they tend to accept these flaws because they see so high value in having and being the first one or like using this, but the mass markets, they don't. So this is where an early adopter is different from the mass market. So similarly, we can see this with, with Bitcoin, right? The challenge for a lot of companies is to cross this chasm. So to improve their product, make it frictionless, um, communicate it better so that it's useful not only for these early adopters, so this fraction of the market, but for the larger masses. And I think we're in a similar state now here with, with Bitcoin. Because if someone sees the value and believes in that Bitcoin should eventually become a currency, they are happy to accept the current downsides and they help to push it towards the masses. So yes, we are we accept to have complicated wallets because eventually if more people want it, they will get better. Or taxation. I'm I don't, or taxation or it's not a reason in itself because the the underlying reason is the volatility. But eventually, if more people use it and more people use it also as a currency, the volatility will I don't know. I'm I mean this is now on really thin ice, right. but but it may go down, which means that it gets more useful also for the masses. So I think this is a nice way to look at it. Yeah, true. There is one one exception, which is like, let's say, I think we are looking at it from the perspective since we live in Europe and we are so embedded also with uh, US and stable economies, like we have this stable currency. But if mm. you would live in a country which has highly volatile uh, currency that's being constantly uh, debased, maybe then Bitcoin becomes, <laughs> so to say, golden standard. And I'm making air quotes uh, <laughs> because it's kind of competing with gold. But uh, yeah. if it became a standard for currency, then we wouldn't try to look at, you know, the conversion anymore because it would become the norm. Yeah. Um, I also don't think in dollar terms when I buy something in euros. Exactly. But I think in euro terms, when I buy something in Bitcoin. So as soon as this doesn't change. Yeah. Yeah. 
So a lot of the internet internet memes uh, regarding the Bitcoin are like uh, two guys talking from the Matrix, and like one uh, asked the other, "Hey, so you're telling me that one day it may be worth a million?" And the other one says, "No, Neo. Um, when the time comes, it won't matter, right? Because like you won't think about Bitcoin being worth a million. It's more like it is one Bitcoin. It is what it is." Yeah. And that's probably the 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 long view of proponents of Bitcoin is just seeing it as becoming the norm. Uh, but the way it behaves today, I agree with you completely. In most cases, for the most majority of the news that we see out there is being uh, used and talked about as an asset, as a, as something that you buy, hold on to appreciate, and then maybe sell or also um land against you know as a as a as something you can use as security to to yeah. to get some money absolutely <sighs> so many topics out of just one piece of news <laughs> cool so what did we cover today we covered we talked about because there's no direct relationship between what we talked today and our so design work but we kind of covered a lot of topics that are relevant for like business education right we talked about financial documents so the three basic ones being pnl so profit and loss statement the cash flow statement the balance sheet we talked about inflation um we talked, we talked about, about adoption curve adoption curve we talked about investment uh thinking so the same way you have design thinking, like you can have investment thinking. <laughs> uh, don't look, don't look that up. It's just a joke. So we talked about you know how companies diversify or uh, maximize their returns. So we covered a lot, um, and I think we can also stop here unless you have anything else that maybe you wanted to share at this moment. Oh, great! I think that was a great session. Okay, so that's everything in today's episode. Again, if you found this uh, episode interesting and want to learn more about business, I'd like to again invite you to join our seven-day mini MBA, uh, which is an email course for designers which teaches you business. And to subscribe to it, you need to head over to d.mba slash mini. Thanks again and talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. Bye.